And now Darwin's going to walk around with the offering plate, but do not touch Darwin and do not touch the plate, okay? Just uh, drop, drop it in and, and he'll, he'll get around there. Just give him a moment to get there, okay? Let's all stand and sing the doxology while he's going around. Praise God so much, y'all. I appreciate that so much. All right, we're going to conclude our, our series this morning in Psalm 103. Right, Matt? All right, so it was the 4th of July yesterday. I hope that you had as good a time as we did. We went and spent the day with uh, Russell and Jackie and Jimmy and Julie down in, in Elgin. And uh, we had a great time. We got into a theological discussion, and uh, that was fun, too. And, and we laughed and laughed, and, and we sat at the table, and, and we started laughing, and we couldn't even eat our dinner. We were laughing so hard. But uh, they had ribs and, and barbecue and corn on the cob and tater salad, broccoli salad, deviled eggs, cakes. Cakes and pies. <laughs> hey, Doug, all I got to eat was the meat, man. I couldn't eat nothing else. Well, then they let you eat nothing. <laughs> no, couldn't eat nothing. Uh, well, uh, that's okay. Uh, that's all right. Uh, uh, so, at any rate, we, we just had a great time, and, we, and, and uh, it was a blessing to be with them. It's always good to be with our kids. I hope that you enjoyed the fourth, and I hope that you remember, at least for a moment, how important the fourth of July is. In my newsletter, I, I uh, pointed out several. Some, have, has everybody gotten the newsletter this week yet? It usually comes like on Monday and Tuesday, doesn't it? Uh, the following week. Well, anyway, the whole newsletter is about America and uh, July the fourth, and, and and what happened back in those days in 1776. So just, just uh, read it carefully and just remember that a lot of people sacrificed an awful lot for us to be here in this building today, worshiping a holy God, the one, the true, the living God, without an armed guard standing out there in front of the door. People gave their lives for that. And you know all those protesters that were out last night, all those protesters? Uh, that, that the peaceful ones, the peaceful ones that believe they really do have a cause for protest, and, and uh, some do, some of them don't, but, but they believe they do. Do you know that those people died for the right for those people to go out there and protest like that? They have that right. We have that right. And it's a sacred right. Only in America can this happen, where the freedom is so real that people can live in such a place as, as we do. Even in other free nations like England and France and uh, Spain and, and uh, Italy and all those other countries, even though they are free nations, they're still not 
not, not, nothing like the freedom that we exercise here in America. And uh, we can't take that for granted. We need to think about that. And we need to support the right to protest, but we can't support the right. There is no right to riot. And uh, we need to pray that God will give our government wisdom and guidance to, to quell all these riots and to get things back in shape, uh, but also pray that they will, will treat the American people with justice and humanity and, and uh, uh, that, that the principles that our forefathers died for in establishing this nation will never be forgotten. And that we'll live by those principles. So that's, that's the end of my uh, patriotic message to you. I, it's just, it just it never amazed, uh, it never stops to amaze me just how blessed we are to be in America. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. So anyway, we started in Psalm 103 talking about the depths of love and God's forgiveness toward us. The psalmist started off by saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within, that is within me, bless his holy name. How can we bless God? That's where we started this discussion several weeks ago. How can we bless God? How can any human being bless God? And we bless God by loving him, by accepting his forgiveness, and by obeying his commandments. That's how we bless God. And uh, that's how our children bless us, is by, by living their lives right in the sight of God. That's how they bless us. So we can do the same for our Heavenly Father. And so we talked about a lot of things along the way. Uh, we talked about the forgiveness that he's given us for all of our iniquities and how he's pushed those sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. We talked about the fact that uh, judgment will come to those whose iniquities are not forgiven. And uh, the clicking is coming from this microphone, by the way, so hear that. Um, we talked about the fact that that uh, um, he treats us as our as his children, that we are to look at him as a father, as a child would look at a father, and there's just a unique relationship there that passes all our, our understanding. I mean, we can't even comprehend that. I, we just passed Father's Day, Mother's Day, <clears throat> and what strikes me when I went on Facebook, you know, that all of these people were, were writing odes on Facebook to their father. Well, isn't it amazing that uh, in many, many cases out there, sometimes it's not possible, but in many, many cases, all of us look at our fathers as being the greatest dad on earth. You know, Ed, you got the greatest dad on earth, don't you? Right. Well, no, I do. Mac did. Mac had the greatest dad. No, no, Daddy had the greatest dad. No, no, Garvin had the greatest dad, right? We all look at our dads as the greatest dad, right? In that, because there's no, no understanding that relationship. When you have a child, as a mother or father, when you have that child, that, that relationship, that bond there is just, wow, it's just like, it's amazing, that bond that's developed over the years as we as parents raise our children or we as children are raised by our parents. That bond is just everlasting. And that's what God is stressing to us and encouraging us to have with him. 
That's that same bond. That, that we do have the greatest dad that ever lived, and his name is God. What an amazing thought. He is not only this God out there, but he's also our father. And as our father, he has the same concerns that we have as fathers and, and mothers for our children. He has those concerns for us. He loves us with a love that is undeniable and cannot be conquered. He loves us in the middle of all of our filth and our nastiness. He loves us in the middle of all of our sin. He loves us with an uncompromising love. Just like we love our children, no matter how wayward they get. We love them, don't we? And it's, and it's that kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. And we talked a lot about that over the last few weeks. We talked about this particular passage in our last meeting two weeks ago where God is uh, reminding us that our lives are just a vapor. And when he says that, he does not mean that we're, we're not going to live forever. It's just the opposite. We are going to live forever. Our souls are going to live forever. But our opportunity to live this human life on this earth is just like a flash of light. It doesn't last any time. 70, 80, 90, 100, maybe, maybe 110 years. That's nothing in the eyes of eternity. If eternity lasts forever, how long is 100 years? See, that's my theory as to why time passes so, by, so fast when you're older. The older we get, the faster time goes, doesn't it? We look back on last year, and it seems like it was one day long. And the older we get, the faster it goes because that one year is but a smaller percentage of our total life. I'm 61 years old now. 61 years old. So one year is 161st of my life. When I was six years old, one year was one-sixth of my life. That's a big difference. So I think that that's why time seems to pass so fast, because it's just such a small number. And then when you think about 100 years as to eternity, it's nothing but a flash. And God wants us to remember that that flash is vitally important to our eternity, but it is nothing but a flash. And the things that we do on this earth, the only things that have any consequence whatsoever for future generations is the work we do for God. If we leave somebody to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, then that makes it a permanent, indelible uh, imprint on this earth and the lives of the people in it. Just think, is Billy Graham, was he received in heaven with more fanfare than the person who led Billy Graham to Christ? Think about that. How would you like to stand before God and say, well, uh, I did lead a few people to Christ. Well, who were they? Well, one of them was Billy Graham. <laughs> well, that was a good one to do. That was a good one to capture, capture, wasn't it? 
how do you know if the person that you're supposed to be witnessing to isn't the next Billy Graham or the next evangelist that's going to launch this country into a revival? You just never know, do you? So we are to be busy about doing the things that are going to make an indelible, lasting imprint on this whole earth. And we only have 100 years to do it. And now I'm 61, I guess I only got 39 left. Right? So I better get busy. And the older we get, the less time we have. But that does not minimize our opportunity to bless God by doing His work and keeping His commandments. Now I want to look today at verse 19. And this is verse 19. The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens and His kingdom ruleth over all. What's your reaction to that verse? The first thing that came to your mind, what was it? Was it that well, of course, God established his throne. Well, well, of course. I mean, this, this is elementary, right? The Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens. Now, now, David thought that this was a very important theological statement for us to deal with in the 103rd Psalm. So the Holy Spirit led David to write this verse. And so I think maybe we ought to look at it a little bit more in depth than what you might think by just reading it for the first time, maybe, in a long time. So let's look at it again. The Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Now, look at the picture that I have up there. What is that a picture of? Space. I love me some Star Trek. You know what? Me, me and Lindsay sat down and watched Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, the movie the other, uh, that we, we watched on Friday night. And, and I'm always fascinated by Star Trek because they always say the, the space is the final frontier. Space, where is space? Where, where, where are we? Where are we? Well, we're, huh? We're on Earth. We're, we're in a church building. Let's, go, let's start there. We're in a church building. The church building is next to a road. The road leads into the town of Rock Hill. Rock Hill exists in the state of South Carolina. So we are also in the United States of America because we are one of the 13 original states. Okay? Also one of the original colonies. So, so we're there. But we're also in the North America, right? And we're also in the Western Hemisphere. Right? But we're also in the earth. Right? So where's the earth? Well, the earth is in our solar system. Well, where's the solar system? Well, the solar system is in the Milky Way galaxy. Well, where's the Milky Way galaxy? Oops. Where do you go from there? How far out can you go? I want you to think about this for a moment because it is a huge fact to grasp in your mind. <clears throat> we have sent satellites into the vast expanse of space. 
we have projected satellites on a course that would one day, given enough time, allow them to reach another galaxy besides the Milky Way galaxy. Now, who knows if that machine will still even be in existence by the time it gets there, or if it would still operate by the time it got there, but it's literally going to take it thousands and thousands of years to get there. Imagine that for a moment. Now, you saw me when I was, was uh, singing the hymn that I pulled my phone out. I wasn't checking my text messages, although I've got half a dozen of them during church. That's crazy, isn't it? I was turning on my light because I needed a little help in seeing the hymn book up here because my light's not too bright up there. Okay? How long, and I'm going to shine this light on Abby. Abby, don't let it blind you now. You ready? All right, I'm going to shine the light on Abby. How long did it take that light to get from my phone to Abby's face? Anybody want to venture a guess? Yeah. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. That's long. That's that's fast. That that's like really fast. That's like that's like cooking with gas. <laughs> See those stars out there? Those stars are thousands and thousands and thousands of light years away. Now, what is a light year? A light year is the distance that light travels in a year. Now, Abby, you've got a calculator on your phone, right? So multiply 186,000 times 60 seconds times 60 minutes times 60, I mean 24 hours times 365 days. That number won't even compute on your calculator, will it? It'll turn it into an exponential number. It's so big, the calculator struggled to handle it. That's how many miles away those stars are from us. And guess what? God made them. So when David says the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, David has no clue where out there heaven is. And we don't either. But God has established his throne out there. He has created a heaven. And we don't know where it is. We don't know what it looks like. But we do know there's a throne. Now we have glimpses into it. My favorite glimpse into heaven was Paul's glimpse when he was on the road to Damascus. Remember what he saw? He saw the throne of God and he saw Christ sitting to the right hand of the Father. So we know there's a throne. And we also know there's a chair beside the throne where Christ sits. We know this because Paul saw it with his own eyes. So David is saying that that throne is prepared somewhere out there. 
to the farthest star that we can see away from us with the most magnificent telescope that we have hovering in the space above the earth. If you look at the furthest star away, and if you traveled all the way to that furthest star away, you still haven't begun your journey to the end of space. Somebody back in school, this was back, I came up with this question when I was back in school. They kept arguing about where space has to end. Space, there has to be an ending to space. And I always ask whoever was arguing that, that fact that there had to be an end to space. I always say, well, if it does end, what's on the other side? Oh, would there have to be something on the other side? Yeah. There has to be something. God. When David said this short little verse in the middle of this 103rd Psalm, he was reminding us of who God is. He is not to be toyed with. He's not some power that we can just call on to do our bidding when we want it. He is not someone that we go to and just ask when we have a problem. He is God. There is no other God. He is the only God. He has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over everything. There is nothing, even at that furthest star away that we can see, there is absolutely nothing that is outside of his control. Somebody asked me, well, I've been asked this question hundreds of times. You think there's life out there on any other planet? I don't know. But I worship the God who does know. If there is life on some faraway planet at that further star away, if there is life out there and it looks like some weird creature, God made it. He made it. And guess what? He has that right. We don't have to fear anything out there. We also watched last night, uh, we watched the movie uh, Independence Day. Y'all watch that? I know Will Smith, and he's fighting the aliens and all this stuff. Uh, pretty cool movie. You like that movie, Patty? Like it? Yeah. That's a pretty cool movie, uh, Independence Day. But if there are creatures like those aliens that visited us uh, in that movie on Independence Day, God made them. Because there is no life existing on this earth that God did not create. It is in his wisdom, it is in his authority, it is in his power that every life on the face of this earth, including this stinking, nasty COVID-19 virus, was created by God. Oh, no, Mark, no, no, they did that in a laboratory in Wuhan, China. Life is only given by God. We can take two different kinds of corn and mix them together, interbreed them, and create what is a third kind that might be a little sweeter than one of the others, and we might be able to do things like that with nature, but it is God that provides the life. I, I 
planted a very small little patch of corn. Austin was hammering on me to plant a little bit of corn, so I planted a very small little patch of corn. I used kernels from a bag that was three or four years old. And I planted 200 kernels in my garden. 200 to the number. Exactly 200. Do you know that all but one or two came up? That corn had been sitting on the shelf, that seed corn had been sitting on the shelf for three or four years. Years! And we put it in the ground and guess what God did? Brought life back to it. Life was still in that ear of corn, that, that kernel of corn. God is in charge of everything. There is nothing that he is not in charge of. That is why we pray to him to eradicate COVID-19 because he is the only authority that can. Oh yes, we can come up with vaccines only by the grace of God and the wonderful knowledge that he has bestowed upon our scientists can we come up with a vaccine, but we will be able to eventually come up with a vaccine. But, but at, at the time that when the vaccine is released, the virus could mutate. And the vaccine would no longer work. That's what happens with the flu. That's why you take flu shots. And that's why it changes every year because the flu mutate, mutates. But does that mutation outside of the authority of God? No, it's not. He allows it. He is in charge of everything. There is nothing. An earthquake happens. God allowed it. A hurricane happens. God allowed it. A typhoon. A tidal wave. Any natural disaster that you can think of, God allowed it. And in some cases, he may have caused it. To wake up his people to the fact that we only have a few years on this earth and we need to get busy. See, everything that God does is designed to draw us to him. When a natural disaster happens, like when Hurricane Katrina came into New Orleans, what do the people of God do? They don't sit there in their mask and go, huh? What do they do? They get up. They help people. They give. They organize. They rebuild. People traveled from South Carolina to New Orleans to help people that they did not know that didn't know them from Adam's house cat, they went down there and helped them rebuild buildings, rebuild houses, rebuild churches. They did these things because what? Christians stand up and help people all around the world whenever a natural disaster comes to be. So how are we going to be God to people unless bad things sometimes happen? That's a crazy thing to say, but do you see what I'm saying? Do you understand where I'm getting? Sometimes God allows these things to draw people out of their shells and make them witnesses for his word in a lost and dying world. And COVID is no exception to that. I have read so many stories on Facebook and so many stories I've heard on the news and uh, of people just standing up and, and doing things for other people that are just unimaginable. I mean, they would have ever even thought about it if COVID-19 hadn't, hadn't come around. 
and how they're reaching out to the families of the 130,000 people that have died from this virus. I know it's hard to imagine that God would allow 130,000 Americans to die from COVID-19. Right? Our lives are nothing but a vapor. We're like a flower in the field. God doesn't think of things the same way we think of things. Maybe COVID-19 is designed to drive us to our knees. Maybe this whole thing is all about driving us to our knees in prayer to a holy God for forgiveness, for his blessing, for, for comfort, for mercy, for grace. Maybe that's what this is all about. David ends up his psalm in these verses. He goes back to the beginning of the psalm and he concludes it like this. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Now I'm going to stop right there for a second. Let's dissect that a little bit. First of all, David is saying, bless the Lord, ye his angels. Well, who are his angels? I, 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 uh, I know you all have seen the advertisements for the, the uh, different organizations that you send $11 a month to, and they build homes for, for uh, wounded veterans that have come back from battle and, and can no longer take care of themselves. They require so many special things to, to, to live and, and for the families that have lost loved ones in law enforcement or in, in uh, military efforts. You've seen those advertisements. One in particular has this uh, young woman. She's, she's, and she makes a statement something like this. She said, it was hard telling my daughter that her father had become an angel. And I want to reach through the TV and say, he didn't. He didn't become an angel. Angels are separate created beings created by God. Angels have a very specific purpose and that purpose is to worship God. They are not created like we are. They are different than we are. As far as we can tell, they live forever in their created bodies. As far as we can tell, they are able to handle the affairs of God in amongst people without being seen. As far as we know, they can take on the characteristics of a human being and look like a human being, like the angels that visited Lot in Sodom. We have evidence of angels in our lives all the time, and, and we are told in the scriptures that we are sometimes uh, entertaining angels unaware. I tell the story very often of the angel that I believe came and saved my daughter Brittany when she was having a seizure. And this woman appeared behind me. I didn't see her come. I didn't see her go. She appeared behind me. She took care of Brittany. I finally got somebody to call 911. And when I came back and the paramedics got there and arrived there, 
the woman had vanished. I still believe that that was an angel. I will go to my grave believing that was an angel. That God sent for that moment at that time to comfort a crazy father and to give aid and comfort to my beautiful daughter. Angels are a particular being created by God. We do not become angels. They cannot become us. But let, uh, David commands the angels to worship God and he restrict that, restricted that command to only those angels that do his commandments. So this also teaches us that there are angels that don't do God's commandments. Does that surprise you? We commonly refer to them as demons. And they exist. Just as real as Satan exists, who is a fallen angel, all the demons exist and they are fallen angels and they cannot any longer bless God because they are disobedient and they have been judged guilty by God and will one day meet their judgment. At, one, at some point when Jesus returns to this earth after the battle of Armageddon, God is going to cast Satan and his demons in the abyss and he's going to lock them there for a thousand year millennium. And then at the end of that millennium, he's going to release them. There's going to be one final battle and then he's going to cast them, the demons, and all the souls that have been lost into the lake of fire. And that will be the end of them. But David here is telling us that he's encouraging the angels to uh, do his commandments, hearken to the voice of the Lord, and bless the Lord with your obedience. Now that is a pretty haughty command for a man, a human being, to make. Isn't it? That's astounding. This is not a request. David is making a demand. He didn't say, hey, if you feel like it, bless the Lord. Hey, if you want to, bless the Lord. No, he's saying angels, bless the Lord. He's your creator. Bless him. Then he says, bless all, the, all, the, all ye his host. Well, that would imply that there's other creatures besides the angels. We learn about some of those in the book of Revelation, the various beasts that are around the throne, <coughs> having multiple eyes, multiple, multiple characteristics of eagles and lions and everything else. He, he has created, there is no limit to what God has created. Do not allow yourself to be captured in your finite mind thinking that God has only made angels, humans, and animals and plants. We have no concept. We have no clue what God has created out there. I mean, after you look at something this good looking, it's hard to imagine that he could ever create anything more beautiful, right? Right, Mac? But think about it a moment. We make up in our minds, in our minds of, of imagination, these aliens that come down and like the, in the Independence Day movie last night that we watched, the, those, those, those aliens 
they have all kinds of form and features and all this kind of stuff. If we, created in the image of God, have that kind of imagination, what kind of imagination do you think God has? If you ever want to be astounded at the creatures that God has the ability to create, just look at one of those nature shows that are on BBC, channel, channel 157 on your Comporium cable TV if you want to watch it, and look at the ones that are in the ocean. We are exploring the ocean in the same way we're exploring space. We're sending vehicles down into the depths of the ocean. And so I watched it one night, on one occasion and they said that we're sending this submarine into the ocean at depths that have never been reached by man, and we are confident that they will find nothing but sand. And so they sent that sub down there, and it got miles and miles below the ocean waves, and it got way down there in the darkness. It is so dark down there, there is so little light down there that it's almost absolute darkness. No light can penetrate the waves, the oceans, that to that depth. And when they got all the way down there into the absolute pitch black and the cold and the compression of the Atlantic Ocean, they turned on the light and guess what was there? Life. And not only life, but life that created its own light so that it could move around. God's amazing. His imagination is limitless. Just look at what he's done. Verse 22, bless the Lord all his works and all places of his dominion. Even the plants, bless the Lord. We walked out, Austin and I walked outside the house and he's got his camera with him all the time and he's always taking pictures of stuff. And he looked over to his right, and Mac has some four o'clocks planted there, and, and they're beginning to open up with the sun shining on them, and, and there were bumblebees all around. And he was taking pictures, close-up pictures of the bumblebees as they grabbed the nectar out of the four o'clock blooms. What an amazing creation! And that blesses the Lord. When I look out there on my garden, if the deer haven't eaten it, I look out there and I look at those tomato plants that are standing about this tall now and, 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 and they've got tomatoes on them about that big and none of them have turned red yet and they're all green but they're, they're about that big to pull them and, and there is a sense of pride that comes to me that wow, look what I've done. I've, I've raised a tomato plant that's full of tomatoes and we're going to have soon have a, some rushes, luscious ripe tomatoes to dine on. Did I do that? No. What God is doing, God is looking down at that same tomato plant and he is being blessed by that tomato plant because that tomato plant <coughs> is yielding fruit of its own kind just like God told it to do in the Garden of Eden. He created every plant in every herb and told it to recreate itself after its own kind. And that's exactly what that tomato plant is doing. It can't help but do that. It just loves God so much that it's going to do it. 
even the world. <coughs> and every facet of the natural world blesses God. And then, of course, David ends with the beginning. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. What better way to end our service today than me to tell you what David is telling you and what David is telling himself. Bless the Lord. He alone is worthy. Bring praises and honor and glory to him. He alone is God. What a magnificent God we serve. What an absolute magnificent God we serve. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name.